Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Well, I got to tell you, I am really, really feeling like Jesus today. <laughs> so I feel like I have risen from the dead. <laughs> I, 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 Thursday, was at the office and about 2.30, something hit me. I couldn't get warm. I shook, I shook, and I haven't been that sick since India. I was more sick than I have been in, I can remember. I have been sick Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I, I think I got food poisoning. And uh, it was not a fun three days. I'm not whining. You could, this is where you say, aww, all right? But I'm telling you what, I'm just like, my gosh, I don't know what hit me. Like, I, like a ton of bricks. Anyhow, uh, so I'm either going to be really, really long or really short. Amen. <laughs> Paul's okay with either one. Uh, I shouldn't be real long, hour or two or whatever. It'd be all right. But I want to I follow up last week's message a little bit. I was planning on doing, uh, I did a message on Wednesday night a few weeks ago that some people asked me to consider doing on a Sunday morning, which I have done before in years past, but that's all right. I'm not insulted that you didn't remember. That's okay. But I, um, so I was contemplating doing that and I'm going to do part of that. Although I woke up thinking about it this morning and what hit me was a phrase that I'll get to in a little bit. And that's the phrase I'll center on in just a moment, but let me set it up like this for just a moment. Let me read you a couple of scriptures. Let me read you one scripture to start with. And then I'm going to start setting this up to where we're going to get our central scripture and what our message is going to be on today. All right. How many of you remember that God's people were in Egypt for over 400 years? They were in oppression. They were in slavery. They didn't start off that way, but that's how they ended. And when God brought them out by the blood of the lamb and by his own power and brought them across the Red Sea, he brings them out. He's in Exodus chapter 19 and he makes a statement to them. That statement was, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be by my own possession among all the peoples for all the earth is mine and you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. All right. Now, this group of people brought out of Egypt by the blood of the lamb was to be a kingdom unlike any other kingdom in the world. How many know today that we are part of a kingdom unlike anything in the world? Okay. They were to be different than any other. They were to be peculiar. How many know we're good at peculiar? All right. They carried something with them when and where they went because of what they were. They carried blessing. They carried all kinds of things. We see this kingdom people throughout history being oppressed, molested, attacked, and yet always surviving. We, we see this kingdom people at times being disciplined by God. Because when they would turn their backs, God would discipline them. We see this kingdom people being blessed in times of famine and drought. When other people's stuff didn't grow, theirs would. We see this kingdom people being blessed in, uh, in times of hardship and difficulty. We see them bringing down the walls of Jericho without a sword, without a fight. We see this kingdom people cross Red Seas and Jordan Rivers without any innovation of man. We see a kingdom people in Egypt and in Babylon yet thrive while there. We see them oppressed 
by Babylon, by Persia, by Rome, and yet surviving. When this kingdom people were deposed to Babylon because God was disciplining them for a season, God specifically told them the text that we spoke on last week. Remember what he told them? While you're there, build houses, dwell in them, plant gardens, and eat their fruit. Take wives and have sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and daughters and give to their husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters. So that you will increase there and not diminish. And seek the peace of the city or the shalom that we talked about last week. And I mean, no, remember, shalom meant much more than peace. Shalom meant God not withholding any good thing. He said, seek the peace of the city where I've, ceased, where I've caused you to be carried away captive. And pray the Lord for it. For in its peace, you will have peace. This kingdom people were going to be implanted in another kingdom and was told by God to pray for it and seek its benefit, to seek its prosperity, to pray every good thing to be realized on that city. For if it would go well with the city, it would go well with them, right? Listen, listen, we got to get this in our mindset in America. You want it to go well for your city? Pray and seek the shalom of the city. Because if it goes well for the city, it goes well for you. I'm telling you, the Bible's true, amen? Okay? Where God's kingdom was, where his kingdom people were, blessing came. Where his kingdom people were, they became a change agent to the environment that was around them. How many would like to be a change agent? Hmm? Some of you. All right. Some of you are just blah. Evil was put down in places that they, this kingdom would be. Strongholds were demolished. Blessing came. Righteousness was established. Simply put, the kingdom of God, that people became a change agent of that around it. Now, if I can move to the New Testament for a moment. So John starts preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Jesus begins to preach, he preaches, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. How many know that the Bible, the gospel, please understand what I'm about to say. The gospel was never the good news of Calvary. It was always the good news of the kingdom. Calvary was the access point to the kingdom. I'll do a whole thing on that someday for you. You see, we often take the gospel and we say it means good news. That's true. But it was the good news of the kingdom. When you follow it through and you read about it, it's, that's what they were preaching. The good news was the good news of the kingdom. As how many know, there was an introduction of a kingdom, not of this world. But the only way that you and I can enter into that kingdom was through Calvary, where Jesus was the lamb who paid for our entrance. All right? It was the good news of a kingdom, not of this world. Now, so Jesus, let me, and how, how do I enter into that kingdom? that they preached about. Repent for it's at hand. I got this good news, the, the kingdom of heaven's at hand. How do I get into it? Ah, glad you asked. Remember when she, John, Jesus was having a discussion with Nicodemus? And he said this to Nicodemus, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, well, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered Moses, surely I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. So I'm born into this world a fleshly man. When I hear the gospel of the kingdom, I accept the sacrifice of Jesus on Calvary's cross that paid for my sin. I become born anew from above, born out of this world and into his kingdom. And now I'm a member of the kingdom of God. How many of you are all in the kingdom of God? Hmm? No, some of you. Okay, now I am part of the kingdom of God that is not of this world. I'm part of a kingdom that is to be different than this world, peculiar from this world. Guess what? I got news for you. If you are truly born again, kingdom of God person, you're never going to fit in. You are going to always be an oddball. <laughs> Look to your neighbor and say, you're a good oddball. <laughs> Some of you are really enjoying this. Some of you are taking a little too long. I've just started a fight over here. I can't believe it. All right. You see, because how many know that, that the writer of Hebrews says what? The writer of Hebrews says that I receive something. I receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. All right. Now, what have I received? What have I entered? What is it like? What am I to be? What is, what is it that happens when I become part of this kingdom? I have to drink my ginger ale. Because I mean, you know, anytime you've been sick when you were a kid, they give you ginger ale. Amen? <laughs> By the way, is it feed of fever, starve or cold, or starve or cold, feed of fever? Or which way is that? Or start which one? Yeah, whatever. Never mind. My, my wife and I have that discussion. Feed a cold, starve a fever. I don't know. All right. Okay. Here's the central theme, though. Matthew thirteen thirty three. He spoke another parable to them, and he said, "The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid three pecks of flour until it was all leavened." It's interesting. Over the years, when people would preach on leaven and the kingdom of heaven, they often talked about leaven in this passage being sin. It was never sin. It was never meant to be taken as sin. Okay? Um, the kingdom is something that you receive. Now, let me talk to you for a moment. I'm sorry. I don't need to go there yet. The comparison here is not to reveal the nature of sin. The comparison here is to reveal the nature of the kingdom. It's to reveal the promise of the kingdom, not the problem of sin. The comparison is the work of the kingdom within us and within the world, not something else. Okay, how many of you remember? Now, some of you, I think younger people are going to not have a clue what I'm talking about. But how many of you who are a little bit more mature like me, okay? How many of you remember there might have been a day where you came home and, you know, maybe, or it was in the morning when you get up or sometime, your mother might have been making homemade bread. How many of you remember those days, huh? Is that like one of the best? Huh? Young people get that too. I got news for you. You ain't that young anymore. <laughs> All right. Listen, that was fun. It was the best smell in the world, wasn't it? Bread baking in the house. 
Now, you had to make that bread. There was a certain thing you had to have, though, or you were getting, or you were getting flat stuff. All right? You had to have something called yeast. How many of you remember seeing those little packs of yeast in the refrigerator? I remember that, okay? And I can remember the mom making the bread, and I can remember, you know, she did this stuff, out, and then, you, you know, you get the dough, and you put the yeast in it, and you smash it around a little bit, and you take a chunk of that, and you throw it in a, a pile of bread pan about that big, and you throw it in there, you cover it up for a while, and all of a sudden, it starts to rise, right? It starts to rise, and then it's like, don't you dare jump around the house and knock my bread down, okay? So I mean, know if you knock the bread down, you are going next, Right? <laughs> Okay, it's like, get out of the house, the bread is rising. Okay? And, and so you had this yeast, because without the yeast, it would not rise. Without the leaven, it would not come to life. It would not raise. Now, Jesus is making up comparison. He said, the kingdom of heaven, I'm going to use the, our word, is like yeast. It's like leaven. When, it's, when a woman took it, hid it in the flour until it was all leaven. Let me talk to you about leaven for a moment. Jesus spoke about three types of leaven. He spoke about this leaven, and he also spoke about the leaven that he warned his disciples. He walked with his disciples three years, these men who would change the world, and he gave them two warnings about leaven. He said, one, beware the leaven of Pharisees. He was warning a kingdom people that you beware of the spirit of religion, because the spirit of religion is not the kingdom of God. He said to them, you, he said, you beware the leaven of the Pharisees. It's a religious spirit. It is formed without power. It is tying, teachers saying things that they don't do, the spirit of hypocrisy. It's tying up heavy burdens and laying them on men's shoulders and not willing to help them. It's doing your deeds so men will see you. It's loving the place of honor at banquets. How many of you know some of that spirit of religion? All right. It is tithing a tenth of your mint, your dill, your cumin, but neglecting the weighted matters of the law, such as justice, mercy, and faithfulness. All right? It is formed without power. The religious spirit is the one that would stone the woman caught in adultery. It is the one that cannot celebrate the miracles of God. It is that which is powerless against the demonic forces of the world. It can't see the beauty of a sinful woman's worship when she came into the Pharisee's house and anointed the feet of Jesus. And he says, if he only knew who was touching him. Because how many know religion cannot rejoice in pure worship? Just can't. Because a religious spirit is always about you, not the object of worship, which is him. It's the one that would condemn a man for eating with tax collectors and sinners. All right. It would be that which uses the works of religions as a means of comparing themselves with themselves. All right. And then he warned them also about the leaven of Herod. He said, beware the leaven of Herod. What was the leaven of Herod? Read the scripture and you'll figure it out. It's the political spirit. Man, is that ever a message for the American church? Just telling you, man. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> just, just stop it. A political party is never going to bring the righteousness of God to this nation. But the kingdom of God's going to. He told me, he said, beware the leaven of Herod. A political spirit. A political spirit always tries to corrupt the kingdom of God. A political spirit always has one goal in mind. Control. Who has it? Who's in control? 
Give me a church that's mired in politics. I'm talking within, and I, you always have a strife. You always have contention. You will, and it's always about control and power. A political spirit will always corrupt a God-centered theocracy that appoints leadership to positions of servanthood for the common good of the people it's to lead. All right? You look at many of our church governing documents in the United States of America, and they will more mirror our U.S. Constitution than they do the Bible. And that's sad and tragic. People get into leadership through the will of the people rather than the will of God. People get into leadership through popularity, not giftedness. People vie for positions so they can control, manipulate, and whatever else. And Jesus says, beware of the leaven of Herod because it's a political spirit that is self-serving. It was Saul that tried to kill David. It was Herod that tried to kill Jesus. It's always trying to kill what God is birthing. The Herod spirit always tried to silence an authoritative word of God. It always tries to steal the glory of God. I mean, you know, that's why Herod got struck dead in the book of Acts. Remember, they said, this is the word of the God. And Herod did not deflect the glory to God. God said, no, no, that's my glory. That's my glory. A political spirit always divides, always works through deception. It causes church splits, family divisions, severed friendships. It always causes division. And Jesus says, you beware of those. But he said, let me tell you about one. The kingdom of heaven. It's like leaven. It's like leaven. Let me talk to you for a little bit about that. Because the, the, what I want you to remember today is this. This is the phrase I woke up with. I knew I was going to kind of talk some on this today. But here's the phrase. Leaven rising. I want you to know something. The leaven is doing its work in our city. Don't, be good, don't get excited because it really ain't that good. Listen to me, hear me well. I'm telling you, whether it's by what I see, what I sense, or whether it's a prophetic word, watch out church, because the leaven is rising. How does this work? How does this happen? Let me talk to you a little bit about this, okay? Let me talk to you about this parable for just a moment. Let me talk to you about what it is to, you know, you take a, a lump of dough. It's lifeless, Right? Yeah, I don't know how to even make the dough. You kind of get some flour and some water. Eggs? Huh? Don't, don't. Come on, faster. Than, a little, okay. <laughs> all right, you take some stuff, you stick it in a bowl, you mix it up, you, you, you pound it a little bit, you roll it a little bit, you do all that stuff, right? And you come out with dough. And nobody says, wow, look at that great dough. That is awesome. That is the best dough in the world. Nobody wants to stink in dough. Aren't you glad it doesn't end with the dough? Right? And, and so you take this dough, and it's this inanimate lump that has no life, no value, little value at all. And then all of a sudden, you introduce something to it. You see, the dough is not the agent of change. It is the yeast that is injected into the dough that becomes the agent of change. How many of you know that when the kingdom of God came into you, it was the agent of change that changed you, and you're not just a big lump anymore? <laughs> hmm? Okay? The kingdom is the agent that has introduced us, all right? Once deposited, once kneaded into the dough, now the leaven can't even be seen. All right, you take one of those little packs, Fleischmann's yeast. I remember the name. I looked online this morning. They're $1.40 something for three packs. You, almost, you, you all almost got one pack. 
I almost went in there and bought a couple hundred packs, but I didn't. I resisted the urge. Okay. You take that pack. Here it is, and here's the dough. Both are distinguishable on their own. But when you take it and introduce it to the lump and the dough, and you knead it, and you roll, and you roll it in, all of a sudden, the leaven itself becomes unnoticeable. You can't see it anymore. All right? You see, one time, Jesus says, what? You, you can't say, there it is. Where, what's the kingdom of God look like? You can't say, here it is, or there it is. He said, because, for, behold, the kingdom of God is within you. How many know today, we can't go to the capital of the kingdom of God? I mean, if you want to go to the throne room, I mean, just, you know, have somebody kill you and you take a trip. Okay. If I want to see the president, which I could try, okay, I, I could go to D.C., knock on the door. Hey, I want to see Donald. <laughs> Don here? All right. But if you want, that's where you would go. I mean, we have a center, right, of the kingdom, a center of our nation. The capital is Washington. You know that. But when you say the kingdom of God, we don't have a place on earth. You can say, there it is. Because what Bible says, Jesus says, it's within us. And when it's within us, it becomes unnoticeable. People don't understand what happened. And once deposited into the dough, there's a process that begins to take place. Fermentation begins to happen. Okay? What's fermentation? It's a state of agitation or intense activity. A state of agitation. Some of you are thinking, I started being fermented when I got married. Don't you go there this morning. (laughs) Right? But there's an agitation that takes place. You make an oyster because there was agitation. Or make an oyster. Make a pearl because of the agitation that takes place, right? Once, listen to me. Before you were saved, you did things that didn't bother you. I mean, it's like, I can do this. I can do whatever I want. This is great. La, la, la. Then you got saved. Kingdom of God takes residence in you. Holy Spirit takes residence in you. You do the same thing. You're like, what's this? It's called conviction. I told somebody came to this church years ago. I said, worst thing you ever did was come to this church. They said, why? I said, because you got saved. Now you can't go sin and be happy. I mean, no, ignorance is bliss for a season. That I could sin and be happy. But now, all of a sudden... I come into the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is inside of me. And there's this agitation that takes place. A battle begins to take place between my flesh and my spirit. And there's something happening because it's there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right. All of a sudden, this is what happens. Because by the entrance of that yeast, that leaven, into this inanimate object, the dough. Because how many know the dough will never rise on its own? Never. But when I enter that yeast to it, something begins to happen. The kingdom of God, when it enters into this person, that which was dead now becomes alive by the living organism that has now been placed within it. Because how many know the kingdom is a living, breathing organism that is placed within inside of us? It starts a process within us 
that causes that which was dead to come to life, that which was lifeless to come to life, that which was that that now it becomes the dominant influence of our life. The kingdom of God should be the dominant influence in our life. It becomes the agent that brings light to darkness. It becomes the agent that enlivens a once dead person. The Bible says what? We were once dead, but now we're alive. The Bible says what? We become a new creation, right? It modifies the whole. Just that little bit. It's amazing. And then the lump, the dough, begins to take on the properties of the yeast. Hmm. Isn't it funny that Paul would say that the kingdom of God is not a matter of food. It's not a matter of eating. It's not a matter of of drinking. But righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Oh, wait a minute. So you mean all of a sudden now the kingdom of God has now entered into me. Now I begin to take on its properties. And now all of a sudden I got joy. I'm righteous. I'm taking on the property of that which has entered into me. Listen, I got news. I got good news for some of you. Some of you can be happier than you are. Some of you can be nicer than you are. Because you take on the properties of that which has been placed inside of you. All right. Now the Holy Spirit who's God's agent of change in you, all of a sudden, now the fruit of the Spirit becomes you. All of a sudden, love. Oh man, now you're actually loving. Hmm? You got peace, gentleness, kindness. Listen, can I just, can I, can I just be really blunt? What was taught me now, right? Why do some of us fight what the kingdom is trying to produce within us? Like, really, I'm not, I'm, I'm not kidding. Like, really, if the kingdom of God is in you and the Holy Spirit is in you, you can, always, you can be more loving. You can be kinder. I can be kinder. I can be more gentle. Sometimes I can be really rough. I know, hard to believe. See, but but what happens is, it's not something I'm putting on the outside. It's something that's coming from the inside. The lump begins to take on the properties of leaven. While the leaven still can't be seen, the effects of the leaven are evident for all to see. How many know people in your life that you look at and say, they just aren't the same as they used to be? And all the wives said, praise God. <laughs> Come on. Let's just, take, let's just take a show of hands here. How many of you are glad your husband got saved? Okay, some of you guys ain't saved yet. Praise the Lord, there's still hope. 
Because I'm just telling you right now, she don't even recognize you as being saved. How many of you guys are waiting for the day that she gets saved? <laughs> that was supposed to be a joke. But seriously, but seriously, aren't you glad for the... Let me tell you something. I can tell you for some of you, some of your children are glad that you found Jesus and the kingdom of God came inside of you. And some of you know that, that, that some of you have stopped generations of craziness in your families. The fact is, it's evident for all to see. It's evident to see when John Miller gets up and he talks and the gratefulness that he has for a God who walked with him through that storm. It's evident to see. Right? I don't know if you know him well, but he can be a little gruff sometimes. Listen, I knew him from way back when he was a mechanic at International Trucks. All right? We fixed, I fixed tires at those places. Listen, I know him. Aren't you glad that, that some of you aren't like you were? You can become different. It's evident for all to see. Because what happens? You're different. You're just different. Your attitude is different. You always had an attitude. It's just different. <laughs> Your life is different. Your speech is different. And now I'm not talking about not saying the wrong words. Okay? I don't care if you say the four-letter words or the substitute four-letters of words. Because I mean, you, know, you can use the substitute four-letter words and still mean just as much as you were saying if you were saying the other four-letter words. Because, but you don't think you're sinning because you use the substitutes. Same anger, same malice, same venom in your heart. But I'm not sinning because I didn't use that word. Hello, you're wrong. <laughs> okay? You just think you're Christian cussing, but you're still cussing. But your speech is different in that what? It's not negative. It's not pessimistic. It's not cynical anymore. It's not critical. It's not divisive. It's not mean-spirited. It's wholesome. It's not unwholesome. You're different. And everybody's going. And then all of a sudden, now where you go, it goes with you. You take it to work. And at your workplace, the leaven is rising. Hmm? Come on. You take it to school. You take it to your home. And you want to know another good place to take it? Church. <laughs> Just a thought. Sometimes it's absent there. We get, good at good, we get good at being church people. We're not so good at being kingdom people sometimes. And how many know when you be a kingdom people, you'll never want to be a church person again. Because once the leaven is introduced to the dough, the dough can never go somewhere without the leaven. You carry it with you. It's inside of you for all to see. Let me show it to you. Joseph, remember Joseph? This man who was betrayed by his brother. His brothers wanted to kill him. Oh, let's not kill him. Let's, 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 let's spare his life. We'll sell him out. We'll sell him as a slave. 
How many of you like your brothers after that? They sell him out. Potiphar sells him out. He gets to Potiphar's house. The jailer, the baker. And okay. But this man, though, this man, all of a sudden, though, here he is living in Egypt with something inside of him different than everybody around him. When all of a sudden Pharaoh has a dream he cannot interpret. But this man who has the leaven of heaven inside of him. This man who has the kingdom of God inside of him. Who, this man who has the Holy Spirit of God inside of him. Who can interpret dreams and mysteries and, and, and knows who God is. Is able to interpret a dream to the benefit of Egypt. Because if it goes well with Egypt, it's going to go well with Joseph. Ow. Because if it goes well with Egypt, it's going to go well with Joseph. And if it goes well for Joseph, how many know it's eventually going to go well for his brothers? Ouch. Hmm? Daniel, his life was turned up. I talked to you a little bit last week. His life was turned upside down by a youth. His parents were, were, were killed, destroyed, city burned, taken captive, name changed. But yet he was 11 of heaven in Babylon. Where he served royalty. Peter was on his way to the temple. They're on their way to the temple to pray. They're on their way to church. There's that beggar again. Because how many know he'd been there every day? And there he is. He wants money. Give me money. Give me money. Peter said, I don't got any money. But what I got, I give to you. Stand up and walk in the name of Jesus. How many know the kingdom of heaven just came upon that man? How many know it was the kingdom of God of heaven that flowed through him? That leaven was rising. Stephen was a man who received the kingdom of heaven, became the, the leaven of heaven as, as they watched him be martyred. Philip received the kingdom and went to a city in Samaria and he preached the gospel and he healed the sick and he healed crippled and he cast out demons. All right. And the Bible says that, that he preached the kingdom of God, the good news of the kingdom of God. And there was joy in the city. Sound familiar? The leaven was rising. Paul and Barnabas became the leaven of heaven in a prison that led to the salvation of a jailer. I'd have never done what they did. God bless them. Never. It's just crazy, man. I just cast a demon out of that slave girl. Tormented her. They used her. They abused her. We cast a demon out and you beat us for it. And you put us in the prison for it. You put us in the stock for it. And we sang our praises to God because let me tell you something. How many know the kingdom of God has to be in you when you're singing praise to God at that hour of night? You're at midnight. You're singing and praising God. The chains come off and the doors come open and, and the, the jailer's taking his sword. He says, man, I'm going to kill myself because they're going to kill me anyhow. And all of a sudden Paul says, oh, by the way, don't kill yourself. Not me. I just said, stick it in well. Twist it when you stick it in. Make sure you get a vital organ. <laughs> just, just being human. He said, don't harm yourself. We're here. And what was the jailer's response to that? Sir, what do I have to do to be saved? What do I got to do to be saved? When you go through difficulty in life, when you go through cancer, when you go through the death of a son or a daughter, when you go through the death of a spouse, when you go through a hardship and you stand, 
and shall not be moved. Because the kingdom's inside of you and the leaven has risen. There's going to be somebody look at you and say, how do I get some of that? How do I get some of that? That's what I want. And then they took and they preached to him, baptized him. And his whole household became saved. You see, the only way, you see, I have this crazy notion. Come on, Troy. I just have this crazy notion. I just have this BHAG. I mean, know what a BHAG is. <laughs> Aaron's like, I know. <laughs> I'm not identifying with him, though. <laughs> Some of you know, you're just being shy. Big, hairy, audacious goal. <laughs> Come on. I just have this crazy BHAG that my God that I know and the kingdom that I know can rise in this city. I I just have this idea. I just have this dream. I just have this belief when I read the Bible that what I see happen in a city in Samaria, Samaria can happen in a city in Pennsylvania. Why not? If my God can tell his kingdom in Babylon to pray for and seek the shalom of that city. Why would I, who's not a captive, seek and pray for the shalom of this city? I just have this crazy idea that God can do that. But how does he do that? Well, because it starts whenever you as an individual... Any individuals here today? Just making sure. That you, the individual, you, the individual lump, you, the individual dough. Sorry to call you a bunch of dough. All right? When you receive the kingdom of heaven, when the kingdom comes into you, when you accept the sacrifice of Jesus on Calvary's cross, and the kingdom of God takes residence in you, and all of a sudden it creates a change in you, and you begin to take on its properties. All of a sudden, let me know that the more of you that there are, the more that there are in a city. And the more that there are in a city, how many know eventually that's what begins to permeate a city? Oh, it's not pie in the sky thinking. Some of you say, Oh, Pastor, you're just you're just so pie in the sky thinking. Some of you, some of you, some of you out there, Pastor, you're just so pie. I'm just hoping Jesus comes. I understand about the blessed hope of the church. For too long, though, we've treated it as the blessed escape. Let's be about the business while we're here. This is my challenge to this church today. This is what I woke up with. Is the leaven rising in you? Is it rising in you? Because when it rises in you, it'll rise in this church. If it rises in this church, it rises outside of this church. 
You, you, know, you know what I used to laugh at sometimes when I was a kid? Is, is they would take that, love, that, that dough, put the stuff in it, and then take a chunk of it and throw it in that bread pan. And then I'd watch it just overflow the bread pan sometimes. Just like, oh, put too much in that one. I'd like to see an overflow happen. I'd like to see an overflow happen. But listen to me. And I really believe that God is saying, I really believe this with all my heart, that God is saying, the leaven is going to rise. The leaven is going to rise. But my challenge is that it rise in you first. That it rise in you first. Father, I pray this morning that as we hear your word, we see your word, we talk about this kingdom. It's a hard thing to fathom, a kingdom not of this world, yet a kingdom that's within us. This kingdom is sometimes a hard thing to fathom. It's often been a forgotten message of the church. And yet Jesus spoke so much about it when he walked the earth. Paul taught about it. Jesus taught his disciples for 40 days about the kingdom of God. Father, we often talk about our citizenship is not in this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. Well, that's true. We believe that. But Father, we don't believe it just as some kind of thing that, oh, yeah, someday I'm going to take my residence there. No, I live from there now. That which governs my step is from there now. That which governs my speech is from there now. That which governs my attitude is from there now. I live now from the future. So Father, would you help us in this house as individuals to take on the properties of that which has been placed inside of us. Would you help us be part of that agent, that agent of change that you want to bring to our families, our workplaces, our church, our city. May this be a season of the leaven rising in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, stand up with me for a moment. I bet you don't have a song with leaven rising in it, do you? <laughs> That's okay. We don't need one. We don't, we, we, listen. This is what you do this week. I'm so weird. I, I, I should have done it now. Here you go. Go to the store, buy a pack of yeast, hang it on your car mirror. Be a constant reminder. Come on. Some of you are like, he's so weird. Uh, John Miller was afraid I'd be boring and weird. Huh? Or stiff. <laughs> Some of you think I'm joking. I'm not. 